every time we open the scriptures, we know that we are entering into a very special place. We are entering into a zone where the very presence of God is and God starts speaking to us. I hope this is our attitude even when we are at home, when we open scripture, uh, that we recognize what it is that we are holding in our hands. We are holding the voice of God speaking to us relevantly even in this day and age that we are living in. So my portion, as Andres already articulated, is from Romans chapter 8. We would remember that scripture had been systematically building up the biggest question that the world has. Uh, from chapter 1 to chapter 2, 3, the scripture dealt with the problem of sin and how it is that it is a problem to man and how it is that it is heinous in the eyes of God. And scripture built up systematically how then God would deal with this problem, how it is that all our ideas and our practical uh, physical contributions, they are so insufficient, uh, has been tested by the law, and how it is then that God would justify us, chapter 4, chapter 5, and how that we are then made right with God. And now being made right with God, how it is that then God sanctifies us, chapter 6, how it is that in chapter 7, we also wrestle with the fallen flesh that we are in. By the time we get to chapter 8, we know where we are, we know where we stand. And we know what scripture has confirmed unto us. And in chapter 8, we are, scripture now declares unto us our identity. Now that we know this truth about God, scripture now tells us who we are. It makes a huge difference when we know who we are. When you don't know your identity, you are lost. One of the subjects that I really used to hate in my school was history. But I remember what my history teacher said, is that history teaches you who you are, where you came from, and who you are today. And knowing who you are today will inform you and will inspire you, will give you confidence on how you stand or what your standing is in the world. So chapter 8 is that kind of a chapter which affirms us and declares unto us our identity and as to who we are. We have words like, there is now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. Period. We have words like, but you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. And we have words like, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. And we have words like, the Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. The creature waiteth for the manifestation 
of the sons of God. That's verse 19. And by the time we come to the last verses that Brother Sid left us, he leaves us on a very high note. And if you would just bear with me, I don't mind reading these verses again, just for our nourishment and for our enjoyment. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. Verse 29. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. Let us remember that it is scripture now is talking about us. That he might be the first the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And whom he called, he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. Therefore, now when we, we take the sum total of all these things, what can be said? What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died. Yea, rather, that is risen again. Who is even at the right hand of God? Who also maketh? intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress, persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword, death, as it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Our precious Lord, we always Thank and exalt your name whenever, Lord, we open scripture, for we know, O oh Lord, that this is you speaking unto us, and we pray that you speak to our hearts this morning as we look up to you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So now knowing all these things, scripture now, chapter 8, takes us to a conclusion. Because from chapter 9 onwards, you see that scripture is going to pivot to something different. Um, it's, still, it's still a continuation. Romans is like almost the summary of everything that we need to know in the now and also in the future to come. So it's Romans it built up systematically to deal with the Christian life from its beginning up to what is to come at the end. And at the end of chapter 8, in the verses that we're going to deal with this morning, 
The scripture now puts a seal and closes the whole question of who we are and who we are to God and what it is and how it is that we ought to see ourselves as we walk in this world. So the first question then that, asked, that is asked is, what shall we say to these things? Everything that we have read before, now that we know these things, can questions be asked? Is there anything that can be asked? Now that you know what you have now learned from the Spirit of God, is there still any question that can be asked about you, dear saint of God? Shall we try and experiment? Shall we try and just ask any questions? Just in case you have a question. Just in case, maybe, just maybe, you just recently came into the faith and life experiences, and maybe it doesn't feel like, you feel like there are some contradictions that are happening in you. Just in case you got questions. Let us look at some of these questions. Let's just... Just for the sake of it, let's ask ourselves some questions so that as a child of God, as you walk in this world, be not confused as to who you are. Because if you are going to determine your identity by how you feel and what you see outside in the world, you are going to be confused. We do not determine our identity by our feelings in the morning, by what we have done or said, by what other people say about us. Our identity is firmly rooted with what scripture says about us. And so these are some of the things that we're just going to try and look at very quickly. The first one that we're going to look at, we're going to look at the sufficiency of God. The question might come into the mind of a believer. If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? In other words, the question that is being asked here rhetorically is, is, God's, is God sufficient for you, Christian, whilst you are still here? Is he sufficient for us? Because we know, whilst we are still here, we are going to be needy. We are going to be a people that are going to be needy. Is God sufficient? If God be for us, who can be against us? The question here is, he that spared not his own son, let that sink in our hearts. Sometimes familiarity of scripture lightens some of these meanings. But scripture is saying, let's stop a little bit. Because as we are in this world, as we live in this world, as the saints of God, we can feel so inadequate and so deficient sometimes that we may think, is God enough to take us through? Is God enough to see us through in this? 
But look at how scripture responds to, to us. He that spared not his own son. Scripture says, stop for a moment. Think about it. If God would not spare his own son for you, for you, what is your need today? What is your problem today? Where are you today? If God did not spare his own son, if God would give the greatest and biggest treasure. Remember, God gave his son while we were yet vile sinners. And he did it anyway. God would give the best of heaven in the worst of your condition. Would he not give you today what you need? What is sufficient for you today in your need? Would he not? Is there ever a circumstance that is much bigger to the situation or the status, the condition that you were in when God gave his son? Is it even possible that you can think of any situation that we can find ourselves in today as the saints of God. That is greater than the situation that we were in when God gave his son. Think about it. I cannot think of any situation in my all 43 years of existence that is much worse than the situation that I was in when God sent his son. To me. That question pales in comparison. The God who is our Father stooped so low to us and went the furthest possible for us in the worst of our condition. How much more now that we are His? How much more that we are now the saints of God. Now, this is not so that we can jump in front of a moving train and we thrust our hands and say, if God be for us, who can be against us? That is not what scripture here means. When I was at boarding school, we had these shoes. We used to call them bumpers. They were like um, thin at the front of the sole, and then they would like increase to the back of the sole. They were made of, the sole was made of some kind of like rubbery material. So we used to call them bumpers. So when like there were things like uh, prize giving, and you knew that you were going to get a prize, yeah, if you didn't have them, borrow them. Borrow from somebody who had the bumpers. Because when you have taken the prize there, when you leave the stage, we would walk like this. No? And so they helped the spring, the shoes, they helped that spring. Why? Because you're like, I knew, I knew who I was. I won a prize because, you know, I am different. I won a prize. I am different. We don't go about bumping 
in this world. But we can know these things for ourselves. For our confidence, what the scripture here is trying to do is trying to root us very deeply so that we can understand who we are in the eyes of God because the world is going to try to teach us otherwise. But now scripture is going to give us bumpers that are going to give us the confidence in this life that we are, we are in. If somebody comes or a circumstance comes in our lives, we are going to remind ourselves who we are in the eyes of God and say, we know who our God is. We know who our Father is. There is no condemnation to us. This is not a license to sin. This is not a license to live in any way we like. But this is an assurance unto us to say, as we walk in this life, God is sufficient. He is going to deliver. God is everything that we will need. Yes. Circumstances might try, but he did not hold back his son at my worst of condition. He did it. He gave his son. How much more, whatever it is that we are in or find ourselves in, in this world today, he is a God who is sufficient. Maybe just for the sake of it, just, just, just maybe, let's ask another question. Let's see if maybe, maybe you are still not convinced. Maybe, maybe we can find a weakness here in this relationship. Maybe we can find a crack that can be exploited. The next question is to be asked, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Maybe before we get that. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? Now, this is challenging. This is a judicial question. That is challenging our judicial position with our God. Because if God is sufficient for us, okay, now we know that God cannot fail God's character, our father is so great, he is going to see us through. What about our end of the spectrum? Can anything be laid against us? After all, we are only human, aren't we? Can a fault then be found? Can this relationship be severed if we cannot find it from the sufficiency of God because God is sufficient? Can a fault be found be found from the saints of God? Can we find a crack there? Can a question be asked? If we can examine the life of a saint and find a charge that we can then say, aha, uh -huh. the enemy can then say, aha, uh -huh. I got you there. God is sufficient, but look at you. Look at you. God is sufficient, but you, you are only human. But I love the response of scripture. 
No. There is no charge there. Why? Because it is God that justifies. Do you know that you are justified? It is God that justifies. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died. Now, what scripture here is telling us is, we do not measure ourselves according to our deeds. We do not ascribe our worth, our value, according to how much we have done. But our worth and our value, our identity and as to who the person we are is because God has justified us. There is nothing to talk about. Can a charge be found? Can we examine a saint to find a charge against them? There is nothing to examine. There is nothing to examine. Because it is God who has justified. God has declared case dismissed. There is nothing to talk about. There is no question that we can entertain to the saints of God. To the sons of God. This includes sisters, by the way. The scripture uses the son because culturally it is the son who inherits. So we are going to be the heirs of Christ. The heirs of God. We are going to inherit the things of God. Co-heirs with Christ. And therefore sisters and brothers are going to be inheriting together. That's why scripture uses the word sons. So we are now the sons of God. And therefore God considers the case dismissed. Why God? You would remember the case of um, Asher's, Asher's Bakers, Bakers, Asher's Bakers. You remember that initially they were found guilty by the lower courts. When the lower courts find you guilty, at first actually they were found guilty by the agents of the government. You know, it is trouble when the agents of the government find you guilty of anything. You know you're in trouble. But it is not, it is not the final authority. At least you can appeal to the courts. So they appealed to the lower courts and the courts found them guilty as well. So it would be the worst outcome possible if there was no other appeal to go to. But they went to the high court, the higher court. It's the final court. And the court said, not guilty. So it doesn't matter what the lower court said. It doesn't matter what the government said. But here scripture says, not the high court, not the supreme court finds us not guilty. It doesn't matter what they think. But it is God himself who now finds us not guilty. If God justifies and acquits you, there is no higher power authority to appeal to. End of story. Think of it like that. Dear saint of God, it is the most supreme, the highest authority, not in the land of Britain, but in the whole universe, who declares you not guilty. But, 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 what about those things that, 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 that you have done? What about what, what you said? But, 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 listen. 
Christ has died for those things. It is Christ that died. He has died for those things. God is just. And yes, those things happen. But guess what? We have nothing to talk about because Christ died for this. And I will prove to you that this case is null and void. There is no judgment. How do we know that we have been justified and rendered not guilty? How do we know that we have been acquitted? There is an empty tomb in Jerusalem. I don't know a lot of speakers that have spoken on the empty tomb. The resurrection of Christ is incredibly powerful. If Christ did not rise, right? Here I'm just talking a useless hypothetical. If Christ had not risen, right? we would have nothing to assure us of our redemption. Because it would have meant that the consequence of sin has prevailed in the work of Christ. We know that the scripture tells us that the power of sin is death. If Christ had not risen, if we are talking ourselves into a lull of justification with a Christ that is dead in the tomb, we are fooling ourselves. Because what that means is Christ came to deal, Christians, we claim, Christ came to deal with the power of sin. But if Christ remained in the grave, that would have meant that the power of sin prevailed over him it still would have had a hold over him. We would then have a question about our eternal security. But scripture here reminds us that, yes, whatever has happened, it is Christ who died. But let me tell you something else. We know for a surety that Christ's death vanquished all our sins. Why? Because he rose from the dead. There is an empty tomb in Jerusalem. In all of humanity, there are people who were raised from the dead. Scripture records that. But they still went on to die again. But this one, those who were raised from the dead and they went on to die again. Why? Because the power of sin they cannot overcome themselves the power of sin. But Christ, who's the anointed one of God, who is unique, triumphed over death. He defeated death. He overcame the power of sin, which is death, and rose again. And he is a testament today in that he is seated at the right head of the Father. And what is he doing? He maketh intercession for us. How does that make you feel? He is interceding for us. I don't know about yourself, sometimes 
I know that sometimes my heart smote me when I have done something that I know I shouldn't have done or said something that I know I shouldn't have said. And I feel so smote that I can't even get myself to pray. Can't even get myself to apologize, to confess. But isn't it good to know that he intercedes for us? What does it mean to you and I today? Christ is interceding for you. Yes, the walk is rough. Yes, sometimes we get shaken. Yes, sometimes we give in. But he intercedes for us. Who are we? We are them whom God has justified. Who are we? We are them whom Christ has died for. Who are we? We are them whom Christ rose from the dead for. Who are we? We are them whose Lord is seated at the right hand of the Father. Who are we? We are them whom he intercedes for even to this day. Talk of security. Talk of security. I do not know in all religious circles any better affirmation and security than that which is offered, that is offered in biblical Christianity. You are safe. We will deal about different issues as we seek to grow and be conformed into the image of his son. But one thing that we understand and I want us to take from this room this morning is that we are good. Not that we are good in ourselves, but we are safe. We are safe. Not because of us, but because of him. Then scripture goes on to ransack the entire universe. To try and see if, if there, can, there is anything that can be found. Is there anything that can be found? Now we know the sufficiency of, of God. Now that we know uh, that the, our, our judicial position is firm, and we are secure. Is there anything? Can we search beyond the universe? Is there anything that we can search? You can read for yourselves. Who can separate us from the level? Is it tribulation? Is it distress? Is it persecution? Is it famine in all its horror? Is it nakedness? Is it the threat of death and the sword? Is there anything that we can possibly think of? That can maybe perhaps, maybe perhaps, Separate us from the love of God. Yes, it is true. We are killed all day long. We are like sheep to the slaughter. Have you seen how the courts are so against sometimes the things that you stand for, dear believer? 
How does it feel at workplace? When you are the only one who is offended by the things that come in your ears? How is it that when you voice yourself against bad language at, at, at workplace, you are looked at as if you've got horns on your head? How is it that Christians have been passed over promotions because of their faith? How is it that Christians have been sacked from their jobs because of who they are? We are like sheep in this world. The world will go to get us. But even then, nothing can separate us from the love of God. You can search the entire universe for scripture says, I am persuaded neither death in all is vile, neither life in all its allure and all its promise. Neither angels in all their power or principalities, whether seen or unseen, no power, human or otherwise, no things present, circumstances that we can find ourselves in now, no things to come, whatever the future holds, no height, no depth, can you think of the length and breadth of the universe? No, any creature, anything that has been created shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, we can do all things through Christ that strengthens us. But we don't run and jump in front of running, running trains. We do not sit in burning houses and say we can do all things through Christ that strengthens us. This seeks to affirm us of the eternal security of the assurance that scripture gives us the identity that we need to take to the bank about ourselves and know that whatever this life holds, whatever it brings, I know who I am and I know who my God is. Let us pray. Our precious God, sovereign and divine, we thank you that there is no other God like unto thee. We thank you, Lord, that when we open scripture and your voice is heard in our hearts, Lord, it rekindles a fire of joy, a fire of confidence. It re 